The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1973, Part 7. In this episode, we will cover September 1st through November 2nd. for a set of recording sessions. On September 1st, Paul, Linda, and Denny land in Lagos to begin recordings for their new LP. So we got there. It was in the middle of the rainy season, and there was tropical storms, and uh, it was humid, and it was amazingly African. It was great, actually. I loved it. rhythm guitarist Danny Lane. I can remember exactly what happened when we got there, that after equipment at EMI Lagos didn't work. It was there, but it wasn't plugged in. And um, it was just kind of starting again, the challenge, you know, and yeah, it was great. Paul McCartney. It was quite a funny job when we got there. We were building the studio when we got there. You know, we thought we would have it, had it finished, but you want a booth? Sure. Yes, put some glass in the windows. Oh, glass, okay. 
was quite an experience, that. And of course, the weather wasn't even good. It was like monsoon season. Mud pouring out the skies and that red mud. So the next time you see rain, don't complain. Lay down your umbrellas. Strip off your plastic masks. You've never felt the rain, my friend, till you felt Engineer Jeff Emmerich. The studio was really small, without any sort of acoustic screens, which we had to have made. Uh, there was no drum booth. The microphone supply was a cardboard box just full of old mics. Uh, there were half of the uh, amplifiers missing in the 8-track tape machine. And there was a door at the back of the studio, and I always remember this, and it, it was a soundproof door, and you open this door, and at the back of the studio was the pressing plant where they pressed all the records. And there was like 50, 60 people stamping out records at the back of the studio. That's one thing that's stuck in my mind. But we actually did manage to record all the basic rhythm tracks and overdub all that onto 8-track uh, within four and a half weeks. Wings guitarist Danny Lane. The basic format was that Paul played drums and I played rhythm guitar. During their stay in Lagos, Paul was accused of exploiting African music and that during the sessions there had been considerable tension between him and the Nigerian musicians. The trouble begins when Paul insists on playing congas. He even finds himself in the Lagos Evening Times in a report about the scandal headline, Step Softly, This Town is Jinxed. Paul starts to receive bad press in other local papers.
Sometime between September 2nd and September 10th, Paul and Linda are robbed. Paul and Linda set off on a 20-minute walk to Denny Lane's rented house. Paul McCartney. We've been told not to walk around, but round about those days, we're just sort of slightly hippie. Hey, don't worry, you know, feel good and it's all right. Wings guitarist Danny Lane. I was in this house and they were in that house, and it was probably a couple of hundred yards away, if that. And we'd been told not to go out at night, and um, you know, because of robbery. And now you've got to remember that that part of the world, you know, they have wars all the time, and there's a lot of thieves, and they don't just they don't take prisoners, basically. Because if they take prisoners, I mean, if they, if they let people go, they would probably be, you know, executed because of just the stealing. There was a military regime, so therefore they don't want any witnesses. So there's a chance that they could have been, you know, attacked, if not killed, for doing this. So they're walking back, they've got cameras and they've got these, these tapes from my house, our house, the band's house. And you could see their house. So we got mugged for our sins. About five fellas jumped out of a car and one of them had a knife. Paul remembers Linda screaming, he's a musician, don't kill him. Paul, being the ultimate, you know, diplomat, talked them out of just take everything, leave us alone with. And I think the fact that they were English, you know, or, or American in English. He wisely hands over everything he has, and Paul and Linda are allowed to resume their walk. All my tapes, all my recordings went. And these are all the these are all the songs I'd written, so I had to try and remember them all. You know, go, oh, how'd that go? Band on the run. And I'm the joke is I'm sure the fellas who took it wouldn't know what it was. You know, oh, that doesn't sound good. You know, they probably recorded over it or didn't go for it or something. I don't know. Probably chucked it away. So lying in some Nigerian jungle, there's little cassettes of Band on the Run somewhere. Some may speculate that this had something to do with the bad press Paul has been receiving. Former Wings drummer Denny Sywell. Somewhere on the planet is a tape of Paul said that it got stolen in in Africa but it was our demo of the of the band on the run album when Henry was still in the band and I was you know we were just up at the barn working out the parts and everything and one day uh, they had a two-track running most of the time and it was it was good it was really good I mean I think it was much better than the record <laughs> So I was playing drums too. Now I know that from that interview I did with Denny that it was the tapes of the rehearsals and not our outtakes from the studio. Maybe that's why we did different versions because we didn't have the tapes anymore to copy. I don't know. No, I so say we did get mugged and stuff and lost all the tapes. So I'd written most of the songs and I did remember them all. But it was very slim backgrounds, you know, I, it would be me on drums, and we'd probably normally, me and Denny had started off with a couple of acoustics to just get the song down, like you would for a demo, and then we'd just build it up like a sculpture.
so, but again, you know, the, who knows? Some people say that that's what makes good albums, you know, all that slogging and suffering for art. I hate to think that myself, actually. Back in England on September 10th, housing market agents in Ascot receive a call from John Lennon in New York. John asks them to kindly list his Tintenhurst estate for sale. The estate is located off of London Road at Beggar's Bush near Ascot in the county of Berkshire. The monies from the sale is rumored to be part of an out-of-court settlement regarding John's unpaid loans with Alan Klein. The estate was purchased for £145,000 by the Lennons back in May of 1969 and boasts many renovations which include the creation of an artificial lake which can be seen from the master bedroom. John also built a recording studio on the grounds which he named Ascot Sound Studios or ASS. He recorded the Imagine album in that studio. Also the Beatles final photograph sessions was taken on the grounds. Eight days later on September 18th, Ringo Starr purchases the 72-acre, 26-room estate. Starr renamed the recording studio Startling Studios and made the studio available to musicians to hire. Some notable names that have recorded at Tittenhurst's Startling Studios were Mark Bolin, Elton John, Nick Drake, and later, the metal band Judas Priest, whom recorded the British Steel album there, and mixed their live album Unleashed in the East. On that same day, September 18th, John's life is going to take a dramatic turn. Separation rumors were following John and Yoko. Yoko tells John that they need to separate. John's drunken affair that humiliated Yoko last year was still at the forefront of her mind. Yoko also felt that by the couple always being together was hurting her as an individual. Yoko Ono. He did not want to um, be separate from me at all. Uh, so that uh, we were together 24 hours a day, literally. So I thought that was really uh, getting to us, maybe. She also believed that her art was not being taken seriously. When she performed, the public was there to see John Lennon and not Yoko Ono. It was getting very obvious that the world didn't want us to really work together. She needed time to reevaluate her role. For me, at least, you know, I was not what I envisioned myself to be. And in a situation like that, why should I want to stay there? And I just wanted to find myself. Yoko tells John. Well, look. Why don't you just go to L.A. and have fun, you know, leave me alone, you know. And I just wanted to think straight, because I couldn't think straight anymore. John Lennon. She literally said, get out, you know, and I said, okay, okay, I'm going. You know, I'd been married before Yoko, and I, I immediately married Yoko, so I'd never been a bachelor since I was 20 or something, so I thought, woo Yoko tells John that he should go to Los Angeles for a while, and further suggests that he take their friend and production assistant coordinator May Pang with him. The Lennon's friend and confidant, Elliot Mintz, recalls. Clearly it was necessary for somebody to be with John. Ms. Pang seemed like a logical choice. I mean, nothing gets done with John unless there's somebody there. 
and Yoko suggested that she would be the ideal companion for John. May Pang recalls the days leading up to leaving for L.A. with John. I was their uh, PA, their production mm-hmm. assistant, their everything that uh, you name it, from from going with them, buying their clothes, to, to making sure everything was running correctly in the studio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I got in at like 9.30 in the morning. I'm, I have my own office, so I'm sitting there. 9.30, not even my cup of coffee was, you know, I didn't even get a chance to drink it yet. And Yoko would come in, like we are now sitting mm-hmm. across from each other. She goes, oh, I got to talk to you. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, another, you know, more, another assignment before I even, you know, get a chance to get my, my uh, you know, the drink of coffee well, you're down. Bearing, right. And uh, she says, uh, you know that John and I are not getting along. And that was her first opening line to me. You know, and I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Now, if you're working around the house, everybody that was working there, and there was about three of us, we all knew. I mean, you know, you could just feel, yeah, you just tension. feel the tension, but you, you just ignore it. You, can, right. you go on and do your work. And I had been working for them for three years at that point. So I'm sitting there. She's telling me that she goes, oh, you know, John's going to start seeing other people. And I'm sitting there thinking, uh-huh. okay, <laughs> and where is this going? And yes. the, my, my thought at that moment, my brain went into another uh, stratosphere is, okay, who do I, who am I thinking about? Like, oh, now we have another person. It's, mm-hmm. it's Yoko, it's John, and an X factor. So that, you know, and then you say, oh, there's more people in the mix. And that's all I'm thinking about. She's talking. And then she says, oh, you don't have a boyfriend. All of a sudden I heard that line. I looked at her. I said, what? I said, oh, I don't want, I don't want John. She says, oh, she goes, oh, I know you weren't after him. But I think you'd be good for him. And I have to say, at 22, I've been working for them for three years. Last thing on my mind was thinking about going out with John Lennon. All of a sudden to say, I'm going out with John Lennon was like, what are you talking about? So what did John say? Was he he didn't know He didn't know at the time <laughs> that this was being set up. And because I talked about it with him later and he says, I didn't know what was happening. They weren't getting along. That, you know, and, and one of the things that happened is that she came, she came into him as he woke up and he was shaving and he said, Yoko came in and all she said was, well, I fixed it. And he says, oh, fix what? And she says, as on the upstroke of his yeah. throat, he's going, I fixed it so you can go out with May. And he said, I almost slipped my throat. He goes, how do you know I like May? She's all, oh, I know. And it was just one of those. And both of us, for a while, I cu- we couldn't even face one another because we knew what just had happened. I, I kept saying, I'm not doing this. And I kept saying, I'm going to leave. And she goes, you can't leave. And she goes, you just can't, <laughs> you can't go. And I'm saying that, I wow. said, but this is not something I want to do. She was trying to coax me to, and I'm like, I'm not going for it. And finally, after a while, even John said, you know, she was so insistent. Right. And then he finally said, well, you know what? We're not getting along. I'm go- we're going to be separated anyway. I'm going to go do it. And so, with May Pang at his side, John Lennon leaves for Los Angeles.
On Sunday, September 23rd, Paul and Linda, Denny Lane, and Jeff Emmerich leave Lagos, Nigeria, pleased with the recording sessions for the new Wings album. Here's Jeff Emmerich. We came back to England, did some harmony overdubs with vocals and some orchestral overdubs. Those tracks were copied from 8-track to 16-track, and we overdubbed the orchestra, but not all, all of them. Half the album was mixed from 8-track. Uh, and we actually mixed the whole album in three days. Six, take six. Hand on the bomb, take six. Right? Here you go. One, two.
On September 24th in America, Ringo releases a new single on Apple, taken from the Ringo album, produced by Richard Perry. The song, co-written with George Harrison, was a first-rate commercial single. That was a hit when it was just a sing-song around the guitar before we put all the backing on it. You just felt it about it. It's the best thing I ever wrote. Every time I see your face, it reminds me of the places we used to go. But all I've got is a photograph, and I realize you're not coming back anymore. I thought I'd make it. Yeah.
On the same day in America, Apple releases a new Yoko Ono single titled Woman Power, backed with Men, Men, Men. Both songs are taken from the Feeling the Space LP by Yoko. In the middle of October, the Faces guitarist Ronnie Wood and his wife Chrissy are invited by George and Patty Harrison to stay for the month at their Friar Park estate. George spends the time mostly recording with Ronnie at his Friar Park studios. Among the songs recorded is George's Far East Man. The title of the song was inspired by the t-shirt Ronnie was wearing that he had acquired during a recent Faces tour of the Far East.
On October 22nd, in Los Angeles, at Lou Adler's Bel Air Mansion, John is interviewed by Melody Maker's Chris Charlesworth, outside by the pool. The result is a 90-minute session which is continually interrupted by the sound of low-flying aeroplanes. In the interview article, John speaks about Yoko, the Beatles, England, and his knowledge of being watched by the U.S. government, along with his paranoia. I, I recognize it when I'm lying on the floor, uh, unconscious. You see, I notice it as I wake up. Oh, I've been knocked out. Okay, get into training, go back to work. Yeah, but it's, it's like people say, why didn't you do this? It's easy after the fact. You know, people are always saying about Apple and the Beatles business. Why didn't you? Why didn't you? You sit in there with millions of dollars floating around and try and work it out. It's so easy after the fact to say, why didn't it? And this immigration started, and it, I just got so pressured by it all. It was, it's, it was a lot more pressure than people see in the papers. He's either appealing or he's going to be kicked out. There's a lot more go on that goes on behind the scenes, and it, was just, it just wore me out. And then there's the Beatles settlement and all that. I just did not feel like standing up and yodeling. You know, I'd have to feel in a good mood to it, to do it. You know? I mean, the, the money's there and the possibilities are there. And it's, uh, you have to, you know, I like to put my mind on something and I can't if I'm being harassed. And that's what was going on for a, for a bit. The interview is published in Melody Maker on November 3rd. On October 23rd, under the American Freedom of Information Act, John sues the U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Service in an attempt to obtain documentary evidence that will show prejudgment in his deportation case and prove the illegal wiretapping of his phones. An appeal hearing is set for October 31st. Later this evening, on the 23rd, Yoko begins a five-night string of low-key New York club dates, beginning at Kenny's Castaways. On October 24th, in Los Angeles, John films a television commercial for his upcoming LP and single called Mind Games. Ladies and gentlemen, Her Royal Highness the Queen. Good evening. I've been asked to do this commercial. It relates to a gramophone record which has been issued by a record company. The record company's name is Apple, but the gramophone record is called Mind Games by John Lennon. On October 29th in America, Apple releases a new single from John Lennon. It's called Mind Games.
The B-side is a straight rocker called Meat City. Lennon, feeling good about the release of his new single Mind Games and the imminent release of his new album of the same name, decides to take his mind off of Yoko and focus on good old-fashioned rock and roll. Teaming up with his old pal Harry Nielsen in Los Angeles, Lennon begins a new project, but before commencing, he suffers another blow, this time again with the U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Board. Here's Elliot Mintz. On October 31st, John's appeal of the INS March 73 deportation order was denied, and he was again ordered out of the country. Feeling depressed about the court's decision and about his separation with Yoko, John immersed himself in alcohol. Fueled by alcohol and his love of rock and roll music, Lennon phoned producer Phil Spector and asked him to produce his next album, which he crowned John Lennon Oldies But Moldies. This project would turn out to be the longest, most expensive, and most difficult project Lennon ever took on. On November 2nd in America, Apple releases Mind Games, a new LP from John Lennon and the Plastic UF Ono Band. The title track was originally called Make Love, Not War, 
But since the saying was such a cliché, John wrote the message in a more obscure way. Mind games, it's a mellotron, and imagine it's an orchestra. No, I'm kidding. What's the difference? What the difference mean? is that Imagine seems to be a kind of a fantasy, wish-fulfillment, dreamy-type... So is Mind Games. Imagine. Mind Games seems more... The single or the whole album you're talking I'm about? I'm talking primarily about the song. The song is almost the same story, backwards. Backwards? Well, you know, I mean, it's... it's what, You know, it's the same. What the hell? It's the same.
The album contains songs of regret. In this song, John pleads to Yoko to forgive him. When And I don't know what I'm doing I see myself
Deliberately dropping politics and causes, John delved into the world of melody and poetry again, turning his head from the disastrous last album. You are my weakness. was produced by John, and he's helped out on the record by Ken Asher on keyboards, David Spinoza on guitar, Gordon Edwards on bass, Jim Keltner on drums, Michael Brecker on sax, Sneaky Pete Kleinow on pedal steel guitar, and John as Dr. Winston O'Boogie and Lost Paranoias on guitar, clavichord, and percussion. All right, right, boys. boys. This This is is it. it. Over Over the the hill. hill.
Side one closed with a track called Newtopian International Anthem. It was three seconds of silence. Side two opened with an upbeat, positive look ahead. Try and live for today. But I never understood other people's superstitions. It seemed like suicide. And as I play the game of life, I try to make it better each and every day. And when I struggle in the night, the magic of the music seems to light the way. Ah, intuition. Things are fine I have to learn to use them In order to survive And time after time 
The record, however, confused and dissatisfied the Lennon fanatics. One 
called Mind Games. Yes, Mind Games. Mind Games. Mind Games. On Apple. Has, out now. Has just come out this week. Yeah. Uh, do you ever like to talk about uh, what the music means, what it represents to you, or what led up to Mind Games? Do you have any thoughts about the song itself? Well, Elliot, I was sitting at home one year. I mean, really. I have thoughts about what? The music? The music is music, and the words are poetry that you sing. And sometimes it fits the music, sometimes it doesn't. As opposed to the last Lennon effort, Mind Games was well received by the public. The album peaked at number 9 on the Billboard 200, was certified gold, and spent 31 weeks on the chart. What does the phrase Mind Games mean to you? Well, you got mind, you see.
the album Mind Games. Mind Games, folks, out now. For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. I'm Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts, Yesterday and Today, and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. Wow. (laughs) And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the show's as we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? <laughs> Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages, that's facebook.com slash yesterdayandtodaypodcast or facebook.com slash thirdmen, or you could head to society Six dot com slash Kaminsky family podcast. That's society the number six dot com slash K A M I N S K I family podcasts. Yeah. Keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. <laughs> Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we need your help. Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. Alright. Thank you, Dad. All right, we'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me.